Welcome to the 321 Biz Development Podcast. My name is Clarence Rick Napier, CEO 321 Biz Dev LLC, located in Sacramento County, California. Today is March 16th, 2020. 321 Biz Dev LLC brings a combination of business development, digital marketing, website design, and short-term business funding to U.S. businesses of any size, and we also support worldwide businesses of any size. Our business is people. Our product is sales performance. We tell business owners exactly what they need to know and why they need to know it without any gimmicks or fluff. We know what the sales performance struggle is like because we were once there too. And our team of trainers, digital marketing specialists, and short-term loan funders can help business owners meet or exceed their revenue expectations. 321 is the company to call if you or your sales team want to master the following four main sales functions. Contacting, prospecting, appointment. 321 is the company to call if you or your sales team want to master the following four main sales functions. Contacting, prospecting, appointment setting, and closing. 321 BizDev services are available worldwide where the English language is spoken. We can be reached toll-free in the U.S. and Canada at 833-321-3212 or internationally using WhatsApp at country code 1-415-515-6760. We have over 88 hours of business development content and interviews with business owners from around the world. Today's episode is titled, When You Are Old Enough, You Know Enough. And so I'm, gonna, I'm glad people are listening to this, um, this show, this episode that will be uploaded to 321 Biz Development Podcast and also uh, the White Collar Sales Pro show on Blog Talk Radio. And I want to give people an intro uh, about why I'm doing this, this show, this podcast episode. Now, it, you know, it's 2020 now, and a lot of people are concerned about their business. I'm talking about small business owners are concerned. Even employees are now concerned about will they work within the next couple of weeks. But more importantly, you know, 321 Biz Dev LLC supports small business owners. So I want to go back to 2009 and give small business owners a recap of what happened in 2009 and why 2020 is real similar to 2009. So what happened in 2009? Well, the 2009 uh, year and five or six years after 2009, that was the real estate and mortgage crises. And how did that happen? Well, the government thought that it could make home ownership simple. And if you go back 25 years or so, uh, back in 1980, I know it's a long time, but this uh, real estate mortgage crisis has a long history. It started in 1980, 1979, 1980, when the government decided that it was going to pass this thing called the Community Reinvestment Act. And what that act was supposed to do is give people who may not have the opportunity to own a home, it was going to make home ownership easy. 
Now from 1980 to about 1995, 96, it was a very limited program and it wasn't widely used. And for the most part, the government did a good job just making it uh, available in rare cases. I mean, not, nowhere near uh, the, 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 the elevation that it had after 1996, 98 and how it destroyed the economy in, two, in the middle to late 2000s. So in 1997, 98, the government decided to make the Community Reinvestment Act more available to lots of people, to millions of people. In fact, the government said, banks, if you don't lend this money to people, we're going to you know, cause problems for you. You know, if you call me, I'll tell you what the problems that the banks, that the government was going to cause for the, for the banks. But call me and I'll tell you what that problem was. So the bank said, oh, no, we don't want that problem. So the banks created these loan programs where just about anyone could buy a home. I remember being in the loan business and I had this person from Los Angeles tell me that, um, they wanted to buy this house. The house was like $600,000. And would I help them get fake uh, W-2 forms? Now, for my listeners in other countries, a W-2 form is a annual report that shows how much a person made on their job. So this potential buyer wanted me to get fake employment income forms. And I said, no, I would lose my license if I did something like that. So to make a long story short, the person found someone to create these fake annual employment documents and the person was in a house. I also had this other person that wanted to uh, buy a house, someone that I knew, but I didn't know that their husband had a, a weird immigration status. <laughs> so to make a long story short on that, I had a, a person that wanted to, a couple that wanted to buy a house but they could not because my provider, my loan company would not go through with it, but they found another company that would accept the interesting immigration status and they were able to buy the house. So the, uh, the government, as they were you know, making these loans easy, you were finding properties that would normally go for $100,000 in California, Florida, Arizona, uh, maybe Las Vegas, and these home prices jacked up to like three hundred and four hundred thousand dollars in roughly, you know, twenty-four months. And so, how did this happen? The economic part about this was the government put too much money in the system. They made it too easy for people to buy to get a loan to buy a house, and that caused the home prices to escalate. And then when the home prices got too high for most people to afford and the prices got too high for people to make the payments after two years, the whole thing crashed. Okay, so what's the difference now? Okay, like the government put money in the system in 2009 or not in 2009, like in 2001 to 2008. Now the government is taking money out of the system. The government is taking money out of the system by way of small business owners not being able to make sales, by consumers not being able to buy stuff because they're told 
that they have to you know hide in their house because of a virus and uh, and the media is is elevating this uh, this fear and panic to levels that are actually you know unreasonable in my opinion so I'm gonna bypass the political part about this because I don't want to talk about uh, the politics of it but I want to assume that who who is whoever is listening to this uh, show or this podcast episode that you are a private sector business owner meaning you're not a nonprofit organization because private sector business owners need people real people real consumers to buy stuff like they were doing before this this virus uh, kicked off and the nonprofit there's no I don't have any problem with nonprofits but they get money from grants from federal grants and, and state grants so they're not in the normal economy like most people so um, again this this show this episode is for private sector white-collar small business owners and 321 biz dev LLC supports attorneys certified public accountants dentists plastic surgeons insurance brokers and real estate brokers so let me explain to what to people what happened you know in 2009 through 2014 as people began to lose homes because they could not afford it uh, they were losing their jobs and they had homes and but their jobs or employment was going away people stopped discretionary spending and so what is discretionary spending discretionary spending is money that you have after you pay your normal bills and discretionary spending is used on restaurants movies travel buying cars hey I like that you know that lawnmower even though my current lawnmower works I need a, I need a new lawnmower so the person will say well even though my my current lawnmower works I'm gonna buy a new one just for the heck of it uh, discretionary spending is wow I got an extra thousand dollars in my bank account and I'm getting more money next payday and the next payday and the next payday and the next payday so I'm gonna spend this one thousand dollars because I know that I'm getting money for from you know for all these subsequent paydays and you know so people had it uh, back before the crisis matter of fact they had too much money because they were using the equity in their homes so people would say hmm my mortgage is two hundred dollars two hundred thousand dollars that's my balance on my property but I got three hundred and seventy five thousand uh, dollar appraisal so I have a hundred and seventy five thousand dollars I can take out well I'm not gonna take out the entire one hundred and seventy five thousand let me take out just seventy five so they would take out seventy five thousand they would buy the boat buy the car do something with the money you know maybe they used it for college education it didn't doesn't matter because it, it was their money but they never anticipated that the the increase in home values would come to a screeching halt in 2007 2008 um, so with the less disposable income small business owners saw that as less revenue coming to their businesses which typically means that people will get laid off and I've already heard so far today that uh, people are being laid off because it doesn't take a long time for a small business owner to feel the impact of people not spending money on a regular basis so 
if a small business was getting regular sales for the month of February 2020 and all of a sudden March kicks in and you know most businesses are maybe open 30 days 31 days out of the month some businesses are open maybe you know Monday through Friday some businesses are open Monday through Saturday so maybe they're open 25 26 days out of the month but if you all but all of a sudden if you are missing five eight days of revenue that's a significant hit on the businesses so I just wanted to give people like a quick economic lesson because I studied economics in, in college and I wanted to just give people a brief overview to let people know that what happened in between 2009 and 2014 and some may say that in California the recovery never kicked in because the entire business climate, the entire way that people uh, think, now think after the 2009-2014 uh, real estate mortgage economic crisis still persists today. People change the way that they look at spending because of that 2009-2014 uh, that uh, economic crisis. So what can white collar small business, owner, ex, business owners expect today? Well, the, the first thing that they're gonna see is that their phones will ring less because of the fear and panic, uh, the, the, the decreased urge to spend. I've already talked to someone in Las Vegas today. Their phones would normally ring about 25 times per day. Today, the phone only rang five times. See, so if your business was average before this uh, 2020 March 2020 economic crisis, let's say up to February 28th, and your business was average, well, sales will slow down. It's an economic fact. There is nothing you can do about it. If you do nothing, if you just do what you did in February and you do nothing new, your sales will slow down. It's an economic and it's a, it's a, a statistical fact that your business will slow down. So dentists, insurance agents, possibly CPAs, real estate brokers and agents, plastic surgeons will see slowdowns just like 2009. So let's first talk about the dentist because the dentist will be one of the first industries to see the slowdown because, because patients, what they will do, they will say, you know what, I'm feeling funny about my money right now. I'm feeling funny about the economics. I feel that my employer is getting less business. I see employees being idle. They're not working as hard or as, as much as they were doing because there are no customers. So what people do, they say, you know what? I had an appointment. I had an appointment to see a dentist for a intermediate or complex treatment that may have been an out-of-pocket expense of $500, $1,000 or $1,500. And what they're gonna do is cancel the, those appointments because some of those appointments were cosmetic in nature or maybe they felt a little pain maybe the pain was bearable and they say you know what I'm gonna keep this one thousand or fifteen hundred dollars in my pocket because I don't know if if I spend this one thousand or fifteen hundred dollars I may get laid off next week so I might want to keep this money so dentists will see uh, appointment cancellations for intermediate to complex treatments. 
And then, and then what will happen then, if dentists had a strong business in February, and now they're starting to see a slowdown in March, and they have cancellations from patients who are gonna spend $1,000 out of pocket, and combined with the insurance, maybe the dentist was gonna make $2,000, and now those cancellations have kicked in, now the dentist is saying, wow, I'm gonna have idle workers in the month of March and maybe April. So the dentist is not gonna take the hit. The dentist cannot pay to have staff standing around doing nothing. And, and it's not the staff's fault. I mean, they were hired to do uh, dental uh, support work, uh, you know, office staff, uh, dentist staff taking the x-rays. So the dentist is gonna lay off people. And the dentist, the dentist is not being mean by laying off people. The dentist may say, I got $30,000 in reserves in the bank. And if, and I'm paying, let's say $15,000 a month in expenses, but I don't see new revenue coming in. So the dentist is gonna lay off the workers. And again, the dentist is not being mean. So those laid off workers, they're not gonna, you know, take their, 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 their money in the bank and, and spend stuff to, because they just got laid off. So what's gonna happen to the laid off workers? They may get unemployment, but the unemployment check may only be 60 to 70%. Now, some government people are saying, we will make the employees hold if they lose their jobs because of this, this crisis thing. It doesn't matter. The behavior and the psychology of workers will say, I'm not doing my regular job and I'm getting this check from the government. I've been promised maybe some additional money, but I'm still not working. So people change their behaviors, you know, when they have some type of economic hit. So let's move on to attorneys. And what we will do, listeners, I'm just talking about the, the challenges that uh, white collar small business owners will face, but I will end with some type of solutions and some type of uh, methods that uh, white collar small business owners can execute. So this is like the, 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 the dark and dirty part. So attorneys may see no changes in their business because estate planning services may increase. Funny thing that happens when there's an economic crisis, people with wealth s start to think, hey, you know what? I may lose money in this economic crisis because when we, when we see things like this, uh, governments sometimes say, hey, you know what? Joe and Mary, they have too many assets and we need to uh, grab some of, some of those assets to fix the economy. And so if Joe was gonna, Joe and Nancy or Joe and Maria were gonna retire or have um, $5 million to transfer to their heirs, we want some of that money. So we wanna drop it to 2 million. So Joe and Maria, they know this because when you, when you are old enough, you know enough. So Joe and Maria, they talk to an estate planning attorney and they say, I wanna protect my wealth. I wanna put it in a trust so that the government can't take it. And uh, so the attorney writes it up and Joe and Mary are happy. So estate planning attorneys may see an increase, but again, and we're going to talk about this later. You can't wait on it. You have to be proactive 
and reaching out to potential clients. So CPAs may see their small business owners wanting lower fees or some uh, small business owners may transition to cloud accounting, which is a little bit cheaper than the actual CPA service. See, in 2009, small business owners demanded lower fees uh, from their CPAs because the CPAs could not justify their current fees. Again, behavior. When small business owners uh, catch a cold, uh, pardon the pun, when small business owners catch a cold and they see something negative in, in the economics of, of their business, what they do is they look around and they say, how can I cut expenses? And they say, oh, that CPA, I'm paying this CPA, let's say $150 a month to to help me with my financials. And gosh, I could really need, I could really cut, if I could cut that back $75, maybe I can pay for something else. So the small business owner may send that CPA letter and say, hey, you know what? I love you, Mr. CPA. I love you, Miss CPA. But I need to cut my expenses back to maybe $100. Will you do it? Will you, will you accept a $50 fee reduction? And because CPAs are not marketing their practices on a regular basis, many CPAs say, yes, okay, I'll take the $50 cut. I'll cut my expenses by $100. Or some business owners may say, you know what? I found this wonderful cloud accounting service that will only charge me $75 per month. So the small business owner may just send that CPA letter and say, Mr. CPA, Miss CPA, your services are no longer required as of a certain date. And please bring my books up to uh, current status. And thank you very much. And here's your last check. So again, uh, CPAs, this may happen. And the thing about CPAs, CPAs are supposed to be advisors to small business owners, helping them make critical decisions. But the majority of CPAs, according to the AICPA, the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants, they have written that CPAs are simply providing payroll uh, reporting to the state and federal government and tax prep services. And CPAs, according to the AICPA, should be helping small business owners with production challenges. And CPAs, you know, because they see the financials, they should be able to talk to their business owner clients and recommend production solutions to help that small business owner make more money. And just as, as, a, as a side conversation, 321 has a great supplemental business development program and sales system for CPAs. Let's move on to cosmetic surgeons or plastic surgeons. Now, plastic surgeons may be hit hard because most of their clients are vanity service clients. Now, some people need cosmetic and uh, plastic surgery services because of medical necessity, but a large portion of the plastic surgeon, cosmetic surgeon business is for vanity services like um, you know, things uh, where they want to, uh, you know, things do things like a tummy tuck or breast enhancement or facelift. Now, the plastic surgeon, once the, the customers see those fees, if the, if, the, if the service charge is like $10,000, 
some of those customers may walk away again because they are feeling the economic crunch themselves because of all the things that are happening within their uh, economic life. So some of the plastic surgeons, cosmetic surgeons may need to lower their fees. But at the same time, uh, cosmetic surgeons, plastic surgeons can do things to increase their productivity. Now, insurance agents and financial planners and, uh, you know, financial advisors, I should say, and insurance brokers will take a hard hit. The insurance industry already has to sell for future benefits. In other words, when an insurance agent sits down with a prospect, uh, someone who is interested in, in buying life insurance, let's say, I'm really talking about life insurance. Auto and home homeowner insurance is a different animal. It's almost a necessity. And, you know, we have a training program for auto and, and homeowner uh, policy agents. But I'm mainly talking about life insurance. I'm talking about uh, long-term care insurance. So the agent is sitting with the prospect and they're selling future benefits. So again, discretionary spending does not include insurance policy purchases. So sometimes when, a, when an economic problem hits a family, sometimes the first thing that goes, especially if the agent did not do a good job, is the insurance policy. Because again, the insurance agent is selling something that will not happen until sometime in the future. Now, now that sometime in the future could be next month but most people don't see themselves having uh, loss of life or uh, uh, loss of income because of a disability next month. They see themselves having this problem two years, five years, ten, down, 10 years down the road. So they say to themselves, you know what, we can just cancel it because we can always buy it again. And sometimes that's not true. So the big challenge for the insurance industry especially during the economic recession, is hiring new agents. And that's always a problem, but you know, it's, it's a bigger problem when there's an economic challenge because um, a lot of people sometimes don't want to sell insurance because it's, like a, it's not like the most attractive industry that's out there. So during a recession period, insurance agents with no training feel pain and misery selling policies. So the recession kind of brings out this thing with the insurance industry. Now, if insurance agents were kind of selling willy-nilly, they were like, you know, able to sell a policy without being too too uh, good with their sales skills. When a recession hits, people get very picky about what they do. We will talk about this later. So the opportunity for fixed-rate uh, insurance products. Uh, to, to help uh, consumers move to annuities since millions lost billions in the stock market. So what I'm saying here is that a lot of financial advisors that sold securities, you know, stuff that they can buy and those products are on the stock market. There's going to be some opportunities for insurance agents to meet with uh, consumers who want to, you know, protect their principal. But again, um, the insurance agent is going to have a tough time when people may not have that money to spend 
on in the on the insurance product. Now, the insurance product is not a discretionary purchase. It's a disposable income purchase and a disposable income purchase is a purchase that is considered a necessity. But when a, when a recession hits, uh, consumers push the insurance purchase from the necessity category to the uh, I don't need it really category. Okay. Now I've had some friends just, I just spoke with today in, in Las Vegas and Alabama that have lost $700,000 combined or about 40% of their portfolio because of the fear and panic spread because of the loss uh, in the, in the, in the stock market. So um, finally, let's talk about the real estate industry. The challenge in the U.S. real estate industry is wage verification when this recession kicks in. So depending on how long uh, the challenge lasts, buyers may not be able to qualify due to layoffs. So what that means is, uh, you know, you have, you know, real estate agent was expecting people to qualify as buyers. When people have layoffs at their jobs, that is a, a shows a discontinuity in their income. So they may have a check or a paycheck stub for for February, and they may have one for March. And when they're able to, when they're ready to qualify for a home, the the loan the lender may say, "Well, let's see your paycheck stubs right now." And when it's time to close, the bank is going to say, "Let me see your most recent paycheck." stub that you just got last week and that employee is going to say well i got laid off well the bank's not going to approve that loan because the person is unable to pay the mortgage now this uh wage verification thing is really regional it's really regional for like california washington oregon new york where home prices are higher than the national average so if you're in alabama or or ohio it's probably still likely that you can buy a home because of the, the cost of the, the mortgage. But with less buyers, agents become less productive. Now in 2009 to 2014, Zillow swooped in to take a sizable market position in the real estate industry. And that's a doggone shame. Zillow took the industry from tr traditional agents who were reluctant to contact and prospect. See, so now we have this, this pending economic crisis and agents were already not contacting and prospecting because they were depending on Zillow and they were, they were paying Zillow up to $2,000 a month for buyer leads. I have a friend in South Beach uh, in the Fort Lauderdale area. She was paying $2,500 per month for real estate leads for luxury properties there in Broward County and, and Miami-Dade County. So now let's talk about some solutions of what white collar small business owners can do. And I wanna start with the dentist. And these are some of the solutions that 321BizDev LLC offers as sales system solutions or business development solutions. Dentists, let's start with dentists. Dentists will need to concentrate on potential patients with the ability to pay and or create in-house payment plans. D 
dentists will need to develop steady pipelines of potential patients. This has always been a problem for dentists. I like I like I mentioned. Well, I think I mentioned. I know three dentists that closed their practice uh, here in Sacramento, uh, California. Three dentists that had to close their practice because they did not have a steady flow of patients who could afford to pay. Okay, so. Moving forward, dentists will need to develop steady pipelines of potential patients. What exactly do I mean by that? A pipeline is a continuous flow of people that the dentist is engaging, and that's a continuous flow. So let's say every week the dentist has to say, "I'm going to engage 20 potential patients or 20 contacts every week." To have a new set of 20 people going through the pipeline, and the pipeline consists of people who um, uh, the dentist is going to see if they're qualified to to buy. In other words, if they're qualified to be a patient uh, to purchase intermediate or complex dental treatment, or maybe they need teeth cleanings or teeth whitenings right now, and maybe six six months down the road. They'll need,、uh, you know, intermediate or complex treatment. So that pipeline consists of four phases: the contacting phase, the prospecting phase, the appointment setting phase, and the closing phase, where the dentist is being paid for intermediate to complex treatments.、Uh, dental practice owners need to be more visible. They will need to be more visible instead of just letting the dental hygienist、uh, do the work. They may need to come out and talk with those patients more. Dental practice owners may need to be more visible in the community.、Uh, they may need to schedule meetings with、um, with people, like you know, different like seminar types or with employers. And a three two one biz dev can help with that. Dentists needs they need to be more like a public relations person. They need to be out there besides. Just being in the office waiting for patients to come in.、Uh, most people do not know this, but most dentists use this thing called a provider directory. It's an online directory where employees who have dental insurance pick dentists who they want to, you know, have as their primary dentist. And that's always been, in my opinion, a reactive way of growing your practice. Because why would a dentist? Put his practice or put her practice at risk, or put their practice in the hands of someone、uh, picking the dentist from an online directory. Okay, so、uh, yeah, so dentists need to they need to really step it up and be more of a public relations person. Now, attorneys, we have this saying at three two one BizDev LLC for attorneys: no one needs an attorney until they need an attorney. And that applies before this、uh, current 2020 crisis, and it's definitely going to apply as we move forward in this 2020 crisis, this March 2020 crisis. Crisis. Attorneys miss out on so much new potential clients, new legal cases. Attorneys need to say hello to more people in, pl- in public, and th- and they need to do it often. I just did a、um, a podcast episode and show. About the attorney law firm business development plan. Please look it up if you are an attorney to check it out. Now CPAs need to make more contacts to build their pipeline volume.
they need to act fast because again many small business owners change their cpas if the small business owner feels that a value is not being provided and i put value in the quotation marks on my notes because value is very subjective but what the cpas can do to make value instead of it instead of it being subjected the cpa can make it make it an objective thing by saying mr business owner or miss business owner let me work with you to help you uh, grow your business and again 321 bizdev has solutions to work with uh, uh cpas on that recessions create many temperamental behaviors with small business owners again that the ai cpa writes that they've, they've written many articles citing that cpas need to do more than just accounting work so let's move on to plastic surgeons uh plastic surgeons must better identify potential patients with discretionary income especially as this march 2020 recession moves forward and again you know people when they buy uh elective uh plastic surgeon cosmetic surgery services is because they want the tummy tucks the breast enhancements uh facelifts and other types of uh things like you know uh trimming the the uh the fat from people's arms they have a name for that i can't think of it right now so let's get back to the insurance agents now this is going to be a long solution because the insurance agency or the insurance industry particularly particularly the life insurance industry has some real soul searching to do okay historically the insurance brokers provide the least amount of training on how insurance agents are supposed to sell the insurance industry was the first industry that 321 started uh we i come from the insurance industry as a corporate salesperson i was an independent life insurance agent i'm getting back in the industry soon so i i can tell you right now a lot of uh, independent insurance brokers and independent insurance agencies do not provide enough uh sales system training for their agents so during a recession period consumers want to meet face to face with the insurance agent not on social media see one thing people need to understand about recessions and how consumers think when people are going through a recession they're saying i am not going to spend my money easily i'm not going to just click on a link and buy something and make it easy for the 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 insurance agent or the vendor to make money easy i know it sounds twisted but that's how consumers are consumers are basically saying i want value from my purchase i am not going to just click a link i want the person sitting in front of me and i want the um the insurance agent to earn my money okay plus the insurance purchase is typically a private confidential matter especially if there's uh, some health issues involved so many people are not going to click on a link they're not going to you know see a person's face and picture and 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 stuff on social media and say oh i must spend $300 a month with this person it just won't happen see in the insurance sale there's a lot of psychology involved it, it is there can't be any tricks there can't be any techniques but it has to mainly be a great deal 
of question and answer interactions with prospects. The insurance sale is one of the industries where a sales system is mandatory. Now, some of the other industries, you might be able to get away with not having a sales system. I think every industry needs a sales system and 321BizDev LLC offers uh, sales systems and business development programs for every industry we mentioned. The, the attorneys, the CPAs, the dentists, the plastic surgeons, the insurance brokers, and the real estate brokers. So a sales system in the insurance industry is mandatory. The insurance agent needs to learn how to, how to conduct a professional interview with insurance prospects. Insurance prospects like to answer questions rather than have one-sided dialogue dominated by the insurance agent. So finally, let's talk about the real estate industry, real estate agents and real estate brokers. As buyers become more scarce, agents need to learn on how to improve their contacting and prospecting skills. Brokers need to be on, the, on high alert because an agent not making any money will quit. That's the one industry where agents will quit so, they'll, they'll quit so fast because they're spending so much money per month just to be an agent without making any money. So if the agent is not making any money because of some type of uh, perceived recession and they know that people are, are not buying as much as they used to, they're not buying homes as much as they used to, the broker needs, needs to be on high alert and needs to have a system to keep that agent productive. If the agent was struggling before this current economic fear and, and intimidation and, and, and uh, panic, this agent may not survive the ongoing challenge to find buyers or sellers. Contacting and prospecting for the real estate industry is at least 75% of real estate sales. Now, I've told a few people this already, and if people listen to some of my podcasts, there's a lot of them out there. There are 252 of them. People know that I'm not a big fan of social media for real estate because real estate sales is one of the top big ticket high price purchases that people will ever make. In fact, it is the highest purchase that people will make. People are buying 500, 800, 1 million, $2 million purchases. And social media is just not the platform for that. Now, I'm not saying that people should not be on social media. What I'm saying is that people should not solely rely or put social media as the top way to reach out to people. And when I say reach out, I don't mean reach out by posting something on social media and waiting. When I say reach out, I mean you call them, you, you meet them face to face. And that's what I mean by engagement, where you have met this person, you have talked to this person on the phone, you have set the appointment, you have asked enough questions to see if this person wants to buy or sell. So that's the definition that I'm talking about when it comes to engaging. And the majority of people do not use social media that way. They use it and they expect the buyer or seller to call them. I'm just telling you, there's like like one in a 10,000, like one, you have a one in 10,000 chance of that happening, okay? Now, Zillow in the US, in the largest cities, 
is on the verge of removing the real estate agent from the first position in the minds of buyers and sellers. So when buyers and sellers say the word Zillow before they say, I know an agent, I know Paul, I know Ralph, I know Debbie. And like, again, and they use the word Zillow first. If that's the first thing that comes out of a, of a, out of a buyer or seller's mouth, then the industry is in trouble. I'm just letting you know it's in trouble. So overall, I hope listeners can tell that surviving this uh, 2020 coronavirus uh, panic and fear will require proactive measures. White collar small business owners cannot wait for business to come to them. And like I mentioned earlier, and I will say it again as a general statement, when the economy gets weird, consumers scrutinize what they buy and whom they buy from. When consumers detect unprofessional uh, behavior on the part of the salesperson, or they, they say, well, you know what? Is this salesperson new? Even when the salesperson is a veteran, that consumer will say, you know what? I'm gonna hold off before I'm buying. So let me talk about that in depth. See, a salesperson, it doesn't matter how long the person has been in sales. If that consumer feels that, that the salesperson is new and meaning new, that's the, the consumer says, this person does not have an organized way of selling, meaning the person doesn't have a sales system. And that's what I mean when I say the consumer detects that the salesperson is new. I don't care if the salesperson has been in sales for 15, 20, 25 years. When the salesperson does not have a sales system, and we talked about, I talked about this on several podcast episodes, the consumers say, this person is so scattered. They must be new. <laughs> Even when the salesperson is not new, those consumers may hold off buying from that agent and they will wait until they find someone who has a sales system, someone who does not appear to be new. And consumers during a recession want value when buying big ticket, high price services. So in closing, 321. So in closing, if 321 can talk about this, these sales challenges, you can be assured that 321 has the solutions. Now, I want to I give people this final caution. This caution is whatever you, you decide, do not panic and buy into slick digital marketing solutions. Okay, just like in 2009, many digital marketing companies preyed on small business owners, knowing small business owners were overwhelmed and desperate for new clients. I saw this in 2009. There were so many companies that popped up when social media was, uh, you know, elevating its status. There were so many companies that were getting small business owners right here in Sacramento. They were getting small business owners. And even in San Francisco, they were getting small business owners to put up $2,000, $3,000 per month for digital marketing solutions. And after like six months, seven months, eight months, those companies vanished with these people's money. So the same type of thing is going to happen. A lot of people will, 
start posting stuff and saying, we can help your business find clients using our unique digital marketing solution. And that small business owner will say, oh man, I need more clients bad because my business revenue is falling. Here's my $500. Here's my $1,000 per month. And sometimes they will sign a contract, a three-month contract or a six-month contract. And then two months later, no new customers. No new customers. Please do not make this mistake in March 2020 and beyond. The only way to, to increase sales productivity and to have better sales performance is for the small business owner to participate in the process. And like I mentioned, 321 BizDev LLC, we saw this coming. We have prepared ourselves to help many small business owners because we saw what happened in 2009. And trust me, even personally, I know, I felt it myself, what happened in 2009. And I see it every single day. I see small business owners, especially now, they're starting to say, oh no, 2009 is coming again. Now to work with 321 BizDev LLC, it's gonna require your participation. Just like I said, it's not gonna be we have no marketing solutions. 321 is not a marketing company. 321 is a business solution company. We offer sales systems where the business owner or the business owner staff has to participate. We offer business development programs where the business owner participates. 321 does the work. The small business owner goes through a learning curve because we know that small business owners cannot do what we're doing when they first get started. So we help small business owners get through the sales learning curve, to get through the sales growth curve. So again, 321 BizDev LLC is not a marketing company. We are not a company that's gonna say, give us $3,000, kick back, and we're gonna make your phones ring. We do not do that, we are a consulting firm. And if small business owners um, cannot tell us that they're looking for more customers. If we don't hear that phrase that they're looking for more clients or that they need more clients, we cannot work with the small business owner because how can we provide a solution when we have not been told there's a need for our services? And that's the big difference between a marketing company and a consulting company. A marketing company will take anybody's money with not a guarantee to, to actually help you find more clients. I'm just telling you, please listen to all of our 282 uh, podcasts, which uh, uh, add up to about 88 hours. So if you are a white collar, small business owner, and this episode, this podcast episode addresses a concern or situation that you are going through right now, please do not hesitate to call me at 833-321-3212 or internationally using WhatsApp at country code 1-415-515-6760 to see if 321BizDev LLC can help you find a winning solution. We recommend small business owners looking for solutions. Visit our website at 321BizDev.com slash services to complete a questionnaire to begin the consultative process. 
We hope you enjoyed today's show and podcast episode titled, When You Are Old Enough, You Will Know Enough. Make it a great day.